where Bobby left off, just that song that we were singing, that nothing else matters. And Cindy just came to me, and, and, and Cindy's my wife, if, for those who didn't know, and, and she's, she's prophetic. And uh, just we're feeling the same thing, and she, she said something to me, and I, just as we were singing that song, I was just, you know, nothing else matters. And when you're in the moment, you know, like nothing else matters because Jesus is everything for me uh, right in this place right now. But actually, you know, when you're saying those words, you're actually saying that everything else actually doesn't matter as well. You know what I mean? Like, so Jesus here, nothing else matters. But everything outside those doors actually isn't important either, actually. And um, that's, that's quite a thing to say. Like, I'm, I'm here, and nothing out there matters. Because when you step out the door, it actually does. I mean, we in the world, stuff happens, and things matter to us, you know, the... Money matters, success matters, power matters, you know, like the, if you go, if you take one step out the door, that's what you walk into, that's the world for us, you know, um, and it's kind of like in line with what I wanted to speak about this morning, and uh, um, we're in a kingdom, um, and there were a lot of songs just about the kingdom, you know, I've never heard the songs that way until I prepared something about the kingdom, now you hear the song slightly differently, right, and that's kind of like what preach sometimes does, you hear things differently, and it moves your heart, and you hear you learn, you learn from God, and um, and I, I kind of like, you know, when I started this, it's like, well, like, why, why are we here? Why do we come to church? It's quite a bizarre thing. We come here. It's beautiful weather outside. There's a group of people here in Azerbaijan that have met in this building. We're singing songs to air. I'm not being irreverent here, but I mean, you think about it from from on the outside, look like, what are those guys doing? They're like singing songs to air. Lovely guy at the front playing music. We wrap it up with a cup of coffee, and then they leave. Like, what, what is, what's the point of this, right? I mean, why, why do we do this? I mean, it's, it's a bit weird if you think about it, right? You know, someone from the outside. And, and I think it starts with us understanding, like, when you're in the kingdom, what it means. Um, and what is the kingdom? So, you know, the Bible talks about it throughout the ages, Old Testament, New Testament, this kingdom, this kingdom, this kingdom. Um, and I'd like to go through a few points this morning just to talk a bit about what is the kingdom? Because whether you like it or not, you're in a kingdom. Um, God made the first kingdom. So God created everything. He created the earth. And that was the start of the kingdom. Um, and you know that there was a kingdom before we were here. And then God, out of an act of love, said, let me make man. In, you know, in the book of Genesis, they talk about that. And then he gives man dominion and responsibility for the earth in this kingdom. So we're in the kingdom, whether we like it or not, we were created into this kingdom. And that was like the first time we hear about this kingdom. And just the fact that, that God created the kingdom, He is the kingdom. He is the owner of the kingdom. He's the creator of the kingdom. And we live in this kingdom. Okay. Um, you can read and it says, you know, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus spoke about that when he's teaching the disciples to pray. And, you know, Jesus says, like, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, the Jewish scholars kind of thought that kingdom was more physical. You know, like, you know, when Jesus came, you can see how they thought about this. They were expecting Jesus, the Messiah, to come, and he was going to take over the earthly kingdom, and he was going to take the Jews up, and he would rescue them from captivity. And they were super disappointed because that didn't happen on the day, right? I mean, Jesus came and said, whoa, 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 this kingdom's not of physical nature. This kingdom's bigger and broader than that. So hugely disappointed to the extent that they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. In, in the, they, they believe there's another Messiah that's still going to come because that's the one that's going to take us up and rescue us from humanity. Okay. So the problem is... God establishes his kingdom. And there's lots of scripture. So I'm not going to go through tons and tons of, but in Psalms it says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Okay. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So God is the creator. Okay. Um, so, what happens is, so God creates this kingdom. It's a perfect kingdom because everything that God's created is perfect, right? And uh, not long after he's dropped man on earth, I don't know the time span, but only like two or three pages, eh? From the beginning of Genesis before we, we blew it. And um, 
so what happens is, um, not, after, not long after that, man blows it in, in the Garden of Eden. Um, but just before that, um, in this kingdom of, 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 of gods, there's a rebellion in heaven, right? I mean, you read that in Revelations. You can read Revelations and get a lot of stories out of this. But the popular version says, you know, Satan rebelled against the Lord because he wanted to be like God, okay? Um, a third of his angels were booted from heaven, and we hear of our first counterfeit kingdom. So it's not the real kingdom, it's now a kingdom of the world, okay? Um, and if you go read Revelations, Revelations is an interesting book because it goes between past, present, and future in like three verses. It's like load shedding, one, six, five, four. You know, if you read Revelations, your mind can be a little bit blown. But, but the, the one scripture where they specifically talk about this is when John is on the island of Patmos and he gets a vision and he sees this woman. She's clothed in the sun. She's got 12 crowns, 12 crowns, 12 tribes of Israel. And, um, and she's about to give birth and there's a dragon, and the dragon wants to consume the baby. Freaky stuff in, in, in Revelations. Basically, the woman is Israel, 12 crowns. The dragon is Satan, and the, the son is Jesus. And uh, as you know, the child is swept away, and that's kind of referring to in Revelations to Jesus being resurrected. He wasn't being able to be devoured by Satan. Um, but we'll get back to some of that stuff. And uh, essentially what happens is a war breaks out in heaven, and Michael and the archangel, they, they win, and they, and they cast Satan down. And uh, this is the birth of this alternate kingdom. And what gets you into this kingdom is sin. It's easy. And that's what happens in the Garden of Eden. Um, you have uh, Adam and Eve, and they choose to elevate themselves. God says, don't eat of this tree. Uh, the devil comes and says, hey, man, like, actually... God's just saying that because, you, you know, he doesn't want you to know stuff, you know, he doesn't want you, you know, he doesn't want you to be better than him, you know, so man says, actually, uh, I want to be wise, that sounds like a good thing, right? Um, I want to do this, and as we know, we sin, and the fall of man, and suddenly now you've got two kingdoms, you've got an alternate kingdom, you've got the kingdom of the world, and the kingdom of heaven, and actually, it's, it's, it's actually a, a big problem for God, because remember, we were created to be in his kingdom, and now because we've sinned, we're in the other kingdom. And then we stand in the church like this on the sun. We say, nothing else matters. God, we want to be out of this kingdom. We want to be back into this kingdom. You know, and like, can you see the, why we start to, we gravitate towards the right kingdom. That that's the kingdom we're meant to be in. Okay. So God has to, has a plan to restore this kingdom. And we're going to do the Bible in 10 minutes. The whole Bible. Right from the beginning to the end. So I start in Genesis. So suddenly, I mean, God's got a problem because he's got this alternate kingdom that's now happened, and uh, he starts building and restoring his kingdom. So he starts with Abraham, and Abraham, he calls, and he says, Abraham, I need to reestablish my kingdom. I'm going to make out of you a chosen nation that, I'm going to, that are going to be my people. So he chooses the people. Just think about after the fall of man, when there's no rule of law, how society and man is degraded from a sin perspective. There's like no God, you know, because it's just, it's just gone. So God says, I need to restore this plan here. So he, he calls Abraham and he starts choosing a people, okay? Um, and he makes promises to Abraham. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to give you land, uh, a nation, and you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed, these people of mine, okay? And as we know, through time, the nation of Israel wasn't always blessed because they stepped out of God's blessing, but they were still these chosen people. He refers to them the whole time. Um, and God starts advancing this kingdom through this chosen people, okay? Um, interesting, if we get to sort of Egypt and, and this nation, the, Israel, this, the Israelites are now captured in Egypt, and you know the story of Moses and the bulrushes. Everyone remembers like the baby stuff, never the really powerful stuff. So Moses is in the desert and God calls him. And he says, I am who I am. You've heard that before. I am who I am. And I've always heard that like, you know, I am what I am. Like just deal with it. I'm God, you know. And uh, I went down a rabbit warren of research when I, when I just saw something in the notes. And what I am, what I am means, I'm really jumping my notes really fast here. 
is, uh, means this. So in Exodus 3 verse 14, Moses approaches the burning, burning bush. And, and actually, Moses, God says to him, Moses, I need to go back to Egypt and I need you to get these people out of captivity, right? Because they're my chosen people. It's my plan is to restore my kingdom. And, uh, and he says, well, what do I, what do I say? Like, what do I, what's your name? Like, what do I call them? You know, and he says, I am. And what I am means is, it says, it's a self-existing one uncreated. No, no one created God. He's the uncreated. Nothing can create him, that me, which implies that everything else that is created is because he created it. There's no need for anything else because I'm the uncreated one. I'm the self-existing one. The only truth, the only necessary God, and I'm the beginning and the end because I created it. I mean, that must have blown Moses' mind. And and, and and through Scripture now, you'll see how this comes up in other Scripture because, you know, how they've interpreted this. And, and like the, the Hebrew language is not like one word. It's a lot uh, when they need to say things. And so, so these are all the words that, that they would have put together with that, that statement. So then he starts with Moses. And, and you, as you'll know, they get out of the captivity and they end up in the desert. And he now needs to establish like the law, like his kingdom. So... So he gives the law to Moses, Mount Sinai, um, and essentially what he starts is he sets the nation apart from the others, and he starts building a standard, a, ho a standard of holiness and a standard of uh, obedience that, that needs to be followed in, in this kingdom of his. Um, and, and as we know, the forgiveness came by way of sacrifice. So remember, sin qualifies you for the other kingdom. Um, holiness qualifies you for this kingdom. Like, this is the good kingdom just in case I'm getting my left and rights wrong. And uh, the only way that they can deal with sin in, 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 in this kingdom that God has now started to build and establish is, is through the sacrifice. Something has to die. Um, animals. And uh, like a lot of sheep took a lot of sin for us. You know what I mean? There's, I mean, there's a lot of sin in the world. There was a lot of sheep, okay? Um, doves. If you read Leviticus, if you're really feeling like you're really motivated to read the Bible, go hit Leviticus, and then there are like a million different things. I mean, it was, it was super lawful, you know, like if it wasn't such a serious sin, you could use a dove. If you weren't so rich, you could, use, you know, there's lots and lots of rules there. The principle was sin had to be paid for through death, okay? Um, I'm going to just move this back. This carpet's got a little edge, and I'm going to trip on it. Okay. So there's a very conditional nature to this covenant. So you can be in my covenant, you can be in my kingdom, but you have to deal with your sin through a priest. You take your lamb, you take your dove, and you deal with it. Okay? Um, and uh, that's how they live for many, many years. But in the scriptures, God starts dropping, but wait a minute. There's something, there's something else coming as part of my plan. He actually says to David, like, hey, David, you are the king. And through your lineage, there will always be a king. And as you know, the kings, were, some of them were great, some of them were terrible. And then they went into captivity, always God's chosen people, always building his plan. And he starts building this plan. Yeah, someone's going to come. The Messiah is going to come. Famous scriptures in Isaiah. It says in Isaiah, um, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and he will call him Emmanuel. So that's, Way back in Isaiah, he starts talking about this. So here comes the plan, okay? Because God realizes this covenant, it's very hard for man to stay in this covenant because, I mean, it's hard to stay sin-free um, and it's very expensive. I mean, a lot of lamb and, and sheep have got to die for this, right? And it's very traditional. It's very religious. And, and as we know, the Jewish nation took a lot of those laws, and as man would do, we made them complex, and we created more laws. And, and if you go into some of the real Jewish laws that are not in the Bible, obviously, there's some crazy things that you can't do on this day because of that day because your left ear touched this thing. You know, people make rules. I mean, we're good at making rules. They just move into a complex, and you'll find out how good we are at making rules. I don't think there's any complexes in Aidsfontein, but where we are, there's a couple of complexes that have some uh, complexes. So... So here comes the plan, okay? So God is restoring this kingdom. And remember, wonderfully singing, nothing else matters. I want to be in the kingdom, okay? So 
the angel Gabriel goes to Mary, Jesus, you've been conceived uh, supernaturally, and this, the Messiah is, you're going to birth the Messiah. Enter JTB. Who you know JTB? John the Baptist, previously known as just John. Um, and uh, he, he, you know, you baptize one person, you get the name John the Baptist. So, so John comes and he starts preaching this new message of repentance. They're laughing at me because I keep tripping over this carpet. <laughs> they can't move this. I'm going to fall there. Eh? I'm just going to shift it. It's fine. <laughs> there we go. So it just forms a little lip every time. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, so John the Baptist starts preaching this new message of repentance. And, and remember, you had to repent and, and offer up an animal for the sacrificing process. He starts offering like a new repentance. He starts saying, listen, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. Um, and he actually did baptize people before Jesus was even around. He starts putting people as an act of, you know, washing of sins in, in, in the water, okay? Um, and he starts calling the people of Israel back to to Jesus. And, of, and, and we know he's a messenger in the desert. So, so in, in the scripture, there's actually also speak of, of John the Baptist who will come before. John wasn't a cooler guy, by the way. He was like, he would live in the bush, eat the locusts. Like, he was a bit out there. He was a bit whack. So people were like, oh, you know, if you think in today's world, someone out the Neisner Forest, repent and be baptized, we may not take that person too seriously either, you know. Um, and he starts preaching this message. And as we know, he eventually baptizes Jesus as well. And he says, the one that comes after me is going to be greater, you know. Um, and he's got a tremendous calling, and, 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 he, and, he, and he ushers Jesus into um, his ministry. So in John 1.29, it says, uh, John saw Jesus come. He says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And suddenly John introduces this concept, but wait a minute. This thing of sacrifice, this animal sacrifice that we used to do, is actually now different. Jesus is that animal, the Lamb of God. Jesus is the, the sacrifice. And if you really want to get into the technical stuff, when the Israelites left Egypt, they painted something on the door. They made, they made the cross with the blood. They had to use a lamb. And uh, there's like a, what they call a type and an anti-type of Jesus, that lamb that, rest, that saved them out of Egypt. Remember, the firstborn was going to die of everybody in Egypt unless you'd taken the lamb and sacrificed it and painted on your door lintels. And then the angel of death would pass over. So, so like, you know, you start connecting all these dots back here. God's restoring his kingdom. God's restoring his kingdom. So Jesus arrives, and he starts a completely different message. A new kingdom has arrived. Um, and he starts saying, well, the kingdom is not a physical place. The kingdom is not in the past. The kingdom's not necessarily in the future. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is in our midst. And initially, people started to think, well, the kingdom in the midst is, well, Jesus is here, right? So that's why the kingdom is here. And then Jesus says a crazy thing. He says, the kingdom is actually now in you. That always blew my mind as an early Christian, that that Jesus was inside you. That was a bit of a mind blow. Um, let's unpack that a little bit. So in Mark 10, verse 13 to 16, Jesus teaches that we have to receive the kingdom of God like a small child. You remember the story of the, little di the disciples, all the kids are around, and the, the disciples are like swatting the kids away. You know, kids are meant to be seen and not heard. And Jesus said, bring the kids here. Bring the kids around me. They must see the miracles. They must see the stuff that's happening here. Um, and then he says something quite profound. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a small child. And what he's really saying is it's not something that we're able to achieve in. You can't thrive in the kingdom. A child can't thrive in the kingdom. It can't, you can't become rich and famous in the kingdom as a child or in the world. You can't get into the kingdom by your own actions. So a child doesn't get into your family because they qualify in some way. They're born into that kingdom. They become your family. They're in the family by default. 
They could do nothing to get in there. They had no control over it. They were born to you. Your child is born to you. And they're absolutely helpless. They can't raise themselves. They can't support themselves financially. They can't do anything. You do everything for them. And they get in for free. And they mooch off you for 21 years. No, I'm just kidding. We've got, we got all the boys. So the illustration is like a child. Children cannot earn their place in the family. They're in the family because you love them. They can't fend for themselves. They're 100% reliant on parents. And Jesus says, that's what my kingdom's like. So when you receive my kingdom, you can't earn this thing. You can't do it with good works. It says later in the scripture somewhere else. You're in because you're in. You know why you're in? Because you were created for the kingdom. Right in the beginning, God made a kingdom and he said, let me put some men in it. By men, I mean humans. Okay? So you're in the kingdom regardless. You can choose which kingdom you want to be in because sin disqualifies you from this one and gets you into the other one. It's an easy membership, the second one. It's not like discovery where you have to get all the points and stuff like that. You're in the kingdom of heaven regardless, okay? Sometimes when we try and approach salvation with a, I need to be better, or I need to do something to get into this kingdom, we really struggle and fight with what, what's called assurance of salvation. And the simple word for assurance is like, I don't know if I really belong here. I don't know if I've done enough to get here. You know, and, and, and that's, that, that thought process comes from like the world process. To get anywhere, you've got to be someone in the world, right? And it's a, it's a terrible culture that, that's in the world, but, king, but God's kingdom is not like that. You know, we, we get in by grace. It says, by grace, we are saved. So if you take one thing home today and you've always thought like, ah, I don't know if I really qualify to be here. You know, God, I, I'm such a terrible person. I've done so many terrible things and uh, I, I don't qualify to be here. You're actually meant to be here. You're, you're, you're actually, when you weren't here, that was a problem. That's the wrong one. The right one is that you're here now and it doesn't matter because you're meant to be here, okay? People struggle for years on the fact that like, am I really saved? Do I deserve to be here? And you can have lots of things that have gone on in your life that have made you think that way. You've, you've, you, you know, you've had trauma in your life in some way, and you've taken that, and you've, you've, you've built a personality around that means that you don't belong in places, you know, in, in specifically in the kingdom of heaven. And it can really trip you up in receiving and operating in, your, in purpose in God's, in, in God's kingdom, you know, because, you know, God, I'm getting to the part where actually we've got to add some purpose to this kingdom, right? I'm just getting to the part that, like, we belong here, right? So now that you're in what comes next, you know. Um, so, so entrance into this kingdom requires you to believe in the kingdom and repentance. We know that sin disqualifies from it, so we live a lifestyle of repenting. We are not supposed to sin. Um, there, you remember when he was talking to, in Egypt, he was creating rules to create obedience to, so that you, if, you, you know, if you follow and you listen to him and you're not sinning, you are in the kingdom. The problem was is he needed forgiveness for sin, okay, and, and, and that's where Jesus came in, and Jesus dies on the cross for us, and as you know, many scriptures tell us that, you know, he died for the sins of the world, and he is now the Lamb of God, not the physical Lamb, and through Jesus, we can ask Jesus to wash away our sins, okay, so now, and that's a process of believing, and then, of course, once you believe that, in faith, you've got to believe that I left this kingdom and I'm now in this kingdom. I mean, that's, the, that's our process, right? We hear that this repentance and belief in Christ leads to a spiritual birth. Um, I think he talks to Nicodemus and he says, Nicodemus, it's like being born again. Nicodemus is like, what? You mean I've got to go back into the womb and reborn? He's like, no, it's a spiritual thing. Okay? The kingdom of heaven is spiritual. I don't know if Sometimes we forget that, and we, you know, we think physical because we live physical and everything around us is physical, but the kingdom of heaven, before God created man, it was a spiritual kingdom, okay? And sometimes we forget that there is a spiritual realm, and we're part of the spiritual kingdom, okay? And then he says in Luke 17, he says, the kingdom of God resides within us. 
And when Jesus starts teaching that, he starts teaching us, wait a minute, there's a new spiritual realm that resides and lives in you. And what's really, really exciting about this new spiritual realm, it says, it says in Luke 17, 20, it says, they will look and they will say, here it is, or there it is, or behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So that didn't read really well. Maybe I didn't read that, write that down properly. What Jesus is saying is, is people will say, like, where's the kingdom? They'll look here, they'll look over here, and then suddenly they'll realize, but actually, wait a minute, the kingdom of God is in the midst of us. And who's heard of God talking about um, the, kingdom, um, the kingdom of heaven is like an incorruptible seed? So suddenly, this kingdom, which now, because we've received Jesus, is now living in us, we have an incorruptible seed in us. So no longer can an alternate kingdom be created by the devil to lead us astray, because we have this incorruptible seed in us. We have Jesus in us. That was the freaky part that always blew my mind. So something that once disqualified you, the world, from this kingdom, now lives in you. So the kingdom that, that you couldn't get into because it was corrupt, is now incorruptible, and it's in you. And so you're not only part of the kingdom, you've got, you've got, you've got him inside of you, okay? So let's talk a little bit about this new kingdom. So in Matthew 13, there's the first time that Jesus actually starts talking about this new kingdom, and, he, and, and uh, it hadn't been revealed before in the Old Testament, so this would have blown a lot of minds of the Jewish leaders of the time. They would be like, what, this is, this is crazy. He says, at one stage, he's in the, 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 um, the synagogue. He says, then he reads this passage out of Isaiah, and he says, today, the kingdom is here. And they want to stone him. As you know, they whip him outside. They want to stone him, and you know that doesn't go well for them because he hadn't yet fulfilled his plan. So straight after Matthew 13, Jesus starts talking in parables, and he talks about a spiritual reign of Christ after he's absent from the earth. So he starts talking about like, I'm not always going to be here. That blows a few minds because remember, some of them will still be thinking, wait a minute, isn't he supposed to be the Messiah, the one that rallies up everybody and rescues us from the rule of the Romans at the time? Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is a bigger kingdom. Because Jesus, remember the kingdom that God made right at the beginning? This is the kingdom. Okay. So, he starts talking straight away, and he says, um, who remembers the parable of the sower? Throw the seeds onto the soil, good soil, rocky soil, some of the birds come and eat some of the soil. And really what he's referring to there is actually, you have, to, you have to receive this. You have to receive it well into good soil. It has to get into your heart, and you've got to start receiving this kingdom in that, in that way. The second parable out of that, he shows that there is a time of judgment coming. So you'll receive this new kingdom, you will live your time out, but a time of judgment is coming. That's the one with the weeds. So they plant a whole lot of seeds, all the seeds grow, and in amongst them there's weeds, and then someone says, hey, shall I pull the weeds out now? He says, no, no, no. If you pull the weeds out now, you'll damage the other plants around them. We'll get the weeds just before we harvest, or at, as we harvest. And then, as you know, they burn the weeds in the fire. That's kind of like referring to, well, there's a time coming when there's going to be judgment. That wasn't in the Old Testament. Then he talks about the parable of the mustard seed. And the first time I read this parable, uh, you know, the, the, the famous mustard seed, faith is small as a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. There's another parable about a mustard seed. And he says, if you take the size of a mustard seed, I mean, I've never seen a mustard seed. It must be very small. Um, and you plant it in the garden, it eventually becomes the biggest tree in this garden. And the birds will come and settle in the tree. And what he's referring to here is actually there's a movement coming. It's the movement of the church of Jesus Christ. And it's going to rapidly grow and expand, bigger than anything else in this garden that you can see. And other nations will come into this garden and rest in the trees. So God's chosen people that he started from the time of Abraham He's going to raise up a Messiah through this and build a, a new kingdom that will save the nations. A little bit later on, Paul, Peter, they couldn't quite grasp that stuff. And remember, you have to go to the Gentiles and give them this message. Because remember, that was all, 
it was like a Jewish, what do you call it, uh, thing. They believed in Jesus. There were some Jews that didn't, obviously the whole lot of Jews, but it was like a bit of a club, right? I mean, it was like, you can't let other people in. I mean, those Gentiles, they eat like bacon and stuff, you know, they can't, they can't get in. They were unclean. Uh, and if you went into like Israel in today's world and a Jewish person that is a devout Jew and is next to a Gentile, they've got all sorts of rules about washing hands and not being near you. That, that would have been the culture of the day. Jay, do you remember when Jesus went to Samaritan? They were like disgusted. He was speaking to a Samaritan woman. Now they needed to expand the, the franchise. That was the word I was looking at. There was a franchise that they had there. Were they? And we, we got Jesus. We got the whole church thing going here. And then, of course, he establishes how the world looks at things and what the kingdom of heaven expects. And he goes through what's called the Beatitudes. I never know what the bad Beatitude word means, but it's about the blessing of the poor, merciful, hungry, humble, receive. Those who suffer on earth will be rewarded in heaven. He starts introducing that actually you've got to, you've got to behave and act in a different way here if you're in this kingdom. So that was the Bible in 10 minutes. I think we did it right, eh? Now that you know this, that the kingdom of heaven is actually something that was established far back, well beyond, before we even got here, and God's been building and restoring this kingdom to the point that we are in now, and we're in the build phase. If you're in the corporate, we're in the build phase right now, guys. You know, we need to take this to the next level, okay? Um, let me circle back. And, no, I'm just talking about all the corporate stuff. So, what is my role in this kingdom now that I'm here, right? I've received Jesus. I'm in the kingdom. I'm saved. This is not like a free rider, guys. We're not here just to get to heaven, Okay? Because we know in the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. You need to spread the word. You need to restore this kingdom for me. This is what I've built. I've, I've introduced Jesus. Your sins are paid for. Um, you are now back in your rightful place. You're in the right kingdom. And now, now what? So as believers of Christ, we've we got to worship him. So our first question, what are we doing here? Singing a couple of songs. Well, we are worshiping him. We're in his kingdom. We have reasons to worship Him. He's rescued us from the kingdom of the world where sin disqualified us. We're now in the kingdom of heaven. We have to acknowledge Christ and recognize His reign. We have to live out His teaching and live in anticipation of His return. Pray that God's kingdom will come into full fruition on the earth. Jesus taught His own disciples your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You haven't heard that before? You haven't been to school in the 80s where you say the Lord's Prayer <laughs> every day after assembly, right? So Jesus preaches a message that the kingdom of God has been established on earth now because he's come and he's fixed things, but it hasn't yet come to fruition. This is not the end. It's not complete yet. We're part of the part that makes it complete, Okay. So no longer is it just a chosen people in a small tribe in another country somewhere. It's now the church of Jesus Christ. Multi-talented, Jewish and Gentiles working together. So our role as the local church, and Jesus chose, there's another message all about why Jesus chose the local church to, to, to build his, um, his kingdom. We won't go there now. But our role as a local church is to bring in the second coming. What does it say about that? If you would have heard lots of things around you know, the, the bride of Christ. That's the church. We've got to be pure, holy. Remember, to qualify for this kingdom, we've got to be holy, right? Sin disqualifies you, gets you into the other one, you've got to be holy, okay? We are ambassadors of God on the earth in 2 Corinthians. And our role as an ambassador, is to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God and others. This is the commission. Jesus said, you know, when on his last days, go and make disciples of all nations. He said to Peter, Peter, feed my church. So I think as you, certainly as I process this kingdom principle, 
Um, my heart shifted to be kingdom-minded. I don't know if that's the, a, a good phrase to do it. How I see kingdom-minded is that everything I do um, here on the earth while I'm here needs to be kingdom-minded. I have to extend this kingdom. I have to make decisions that impact um, my physical life as it is. I've got a family. I've got a job. Um, I live in a house. I live in a community. I serve in a local church. Um, I need to realign my priorities around being kingdom-minded. Um, I haven't always been good at that. I'm, there's, there's times that I don't think that I have been kingdom-minded enough. Um, but it, to me, it, if, 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 you, if you have a heart shift around being kingdom-minded, it's so much easier to say, well, oh man, I've got to, got to go to church on Sunday. Or I'm kingdom-minded. There's church on Sunday. We're going to extend God's kingdom. Um, you know, can you see the, the heart shift when you start to see the, the magnitude and the scale of God's kingdom? We're, we're a very, very small cog in this very, very, very big kingdom. Um, and, I, and I could argue that God probably doesn't need most of us in the room here to extend his kingdom. Actually, he probably doesn't need any of us in the room here to extend his kingdom, okay? We're in his kingdom. He loves us. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, but we join the kingdom. God doesn't, in, you know, like we don't like, God's not like, I need all these people in my kingdom. Come join me. We join the kingdom, okay? Things like worldly success, status, power no longer seem that important when you're kingdom-minded. Um, you know, God's sovereignty and, and, and Christ's work almost becomes a first for us, right? Um, and, and another interesting thing that, that I think as well is, you know, it's, it's not a, a one-way street in God's kingdom. When we, when we look at how He's worked throughout time to God over the world, redeem His people, a chosen people, to bring us to the place that we are today, you know, it almost shows his loving character. I mean, Israel was terrible at times, but yet he persisted. Um, and it means that he will see his plans through, right? I mean, he, he didn't say halfway through, okay, I'm done. I'm done with these guys, you know. We start over. Another chosen generation. And if you're battling in a place where, well, is God really going to see me through? Eh? Is God going to look out for me? You know, you look at what he's done here, like he's okay, like he's, he's going to look after us, right? And there's lots of scripture that talk about it, but sometimes you need credible evidence that he's actually done something like this. So when you see the message in its entirety like this, there's credible evidence that God, God is there for us. He's going to see his plans through, and, and, and we can trust in his plans. You know, sometimes God says, like, I've got a plan for you, and I need to move to Azerbaijan, some of the guys that have moved here. Because you're going to start a new church. I can imagine that some of the team that had came here were like, just God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to move here. Um, you're going to have a lot of faith to do that. And, and this is a message that we'll be like, oh, okay. God, I trust in you. I trust that I'm in your kingdom. I'm doing what you need me to do. And, and you're going to be there for me, right? Look each other in the eye, you know, guys. We got this together, right? And... Some of you may be in a place where you're going to make a very big decision, you know, to, to do something in God's kingdom. And, you know, like, I hope that gives you some kind of solace in that, that God's there for you. And then the last one is obviously understanding what God's doing in his kingdom is there's a real sense of urgency that we've got to get going with stuff. You know, we can't, we can't be here every Sunday and just, you know, get it. It's all about me. What can I get out of this? God's like, well, you know, I've got you in, I've got, you know, and you need to do the job, right? In, in, in the secular world, we get these people called interns, they new grads, they come in into, into our business, and they work, I don't know, probably six months to a year as an intern, and we're very gracious in the intern, because you don't know enough, right? We've got to teach you what to do, right? So we teach you, we uh, give you small projects that you can handle, and you grow in those small projects, but by about eight or nine months, we're looking at some of the interns and saying, that one we're going to keep, that one we're not going to keep. I'm not saying God's not going to keep in his kingdom. 
I'm talking about the value that the people start adding once they're, once they're in and established. And then, like at 12 months, when we'd make you a fully-fledged whatever, industrial engineer, whatever you are, and we're going to pay you double the pay because you're no longer an intern, then we say, now nah, we want something out of you, right? You need to deliver something now. You know, Christianity is a little bit like that. You know, you come in, the Bible talks about milk of the word, and you're growing, and you've got to learn all the stuff. And then suddenly, like, there's a time period where, like, hey, man, okay, now you, you know enough to know that this is actually what you need to be here, okay? And uh, you've got to take two things when you, when you get to that place. The one is you need to get God's sense of purpose in your heart. You need a heart shift around purpose. The second thing is, I've just forgotten it. Oh, you've got to action. You've got to take action. So shift your heart, take action. And uh, when I was kind of meditating or praying, I have a different process when I, when I prepare for a word. I, I take about a week, and I just really like, God, just, just tell me like what I need to talk about, what I need to, you know, what, what, do, what do we need to hear? You know what I mean? I don't make it like it's super spiritual, when I'm driving in my car, riding on a bicycle, I'm not sitting for hours on my knees. This is like my process. And the one thing that, that really came to me, and, and Cindy re reaffirmed that. I mean, she didn't tell me about this until literally five seconds before I walked up here. Could have been nice to get that a bit earlier. But uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. But um, I, when you're in a small town or a small community like this, Often, the reason why a lot of people move to small communities is you're done with the rat race in town. It's wild, right? I mean, I live in Melkworth. We've got a similar experience. It's a little bit closer to the rat race. But, you know, you, 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 you're just done with that, you know? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually okay, you know, because I think that can be very distracting and uh, it can be a very noble thing to just, you know, clear your mind, get to a smaller community, get a better quality of life, the danger in, in doing that, and, and we see this in, in Malchus congregation, in, in some ways we're twins, eh? we're twinsies in, uh, in, in church culture in, in some way. Um, you guys will know, you come from Malchus, we're twinsies. By that I mean we've got similar culture. Malchus is also like far removed from the rat race, and in our world like rat race is table view, it's only five minutes away, sorry Bobby. Um, and our culture is like, man, we just, we don't need the, the busyness and the drama and the, you know. We just we just want to just want to be lacquer, you know. The danger is we are disengaging from the rat race in the world, which is a good thing, I I think. But sometimes you can also disengage for what the kingdom wants as well, you know. And uh, because in some way you you disengaging as a person entirety, you know, from the rat race. But you can never disengage from the kingdom, right? Because the you know so. So the one thing that I, that I felt, and that's why I started wanted to talk about kingdom, is, you know, there's a, there's a kingdom-mindedness that we need um, in any small community, even more so than any other, because you may be very engaged with the kingdom, but everyone else that's moved to that community might be disengaging from the rat race in the world, but also heavily disengaged from God, heavily disengaged from the world, and completely, completely unchurched. And in some cases, we attract people to those communities that actually want nothing to do with God. Atheists, like, I've given up on God. Don't tell me about this stuff. Um, if you're in a more affluent community, like Azerbaijan, Melkos, Twinsies, affluent community, heavily disengaged with God because I'm affluent. I don't need anything else. I don't need God in my life. I don't need, I don't have the time. I don't have the, the space. I have built my, I want to say, consciousness to a level that I feel like I've actually achieved this all on my own. I don't need that. I don't, I don't need church in my life. Why do I need that? I've, I've, I've got everything. And it's a very, very dangerous place to be in. And it's a very, very tough community to be in. You guys are in a tough community. Twinsies with Melkos. In Melkwus, I mean, most of you probably know Melkwus. There's two sides to Melkwus. There's a, I want to say, middle-class Melkwus, because I don't think anyone's really poor in Melkwus. You look at the rentals, what you have to pay there. And there's a super wealthy in Melkwus. Super, super wealthy. You know, and the, you know the key, I mean, the Bible talks about how hard it is for, for a wealthy person to enter into the kingdom of God, not because, like, they're bad people. You've just, 
you're okay, you've done things, you know. So if we take one thing out of today is, have we in some way disengaged from the kingdom? You know, and I'm not saying that it's like a serious disengagement. You wouldn't be here if you were seriously disengaged from the kingdom. But I think God's asking for a heart shift to engage with his kingdom. And it's not like leave now, hit the beachfront, evangelize. I mean, I think baby steps for some of us, right? I'm not the leave now, go and evangelize the beachfront. Praise the Lord for those guys. I'm too scared. <laughs> um, but I think God is asking for a heart shift to step into his purpose. We're here, we got here, we got to the door, we're worshiping God, and we had varying levels of engagement, you know, with, with God's kingdom. I think God's asking us to sh shift his heart. The second thing is, like maybe you've never heard this before. You never heard about this kingdom. You never heard actually maybe even just how this kingdom's been landed at all. And it's a completely new thing to you. And, and maybe you haven't made the transition from this world into this world, just, you know, and, and there's sin disqualifying you, you know, and it's not a, it's not like a big thing. Jesus made it like super easy. Believe in me, repent of your sins, join the kingdom. Okay. There's two parts to that. So I think let's pray. Um, and then I'd like us to respond in some way. I think it's, I think it's important for us to respond. You had a very pivotal time in in the life of Asa Fontaine. You know, the kingdom of Asa Fontaine, let's call it that. Um, you sent here, if you, if you know, if you're in this room, it wasn't by mistake. God has placed you here for a reason. Um, he may have found you even in Asa Fontaine. You know, you were, you were out there and you've ended up in this building and God's found you and captured your heart on something, you know. Um, but it's a very pivotal time for, for Asa Fontaine because you have a message to extend his kingdom in this community. That, that's your role here. And uh, one year in, I think you've, didn't you have a birthday party yet or something? You must have, eh? Two weeks ago, yeah. I think we were here for the first one, I think, yeah. Thanks for being here, man. Um, no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's a pivotal time. You've got, to, you've got to pivot after one year now. There's community leaders amongst you guys. There's people that can prophesy. There's people that can pray for healing here. There's deacons, elders. All of that needs that engaging into the kingdom, you know, like when you clip something in with a good solid fit, you know. All of that is going to require a heart shift. Um, and, and potentially you need that heart shift this morning. And, it's, and I, I always like it to, to have some kind of response because is it, if there's a physical response, it, it kind of makes it real. Uh, so so uh, let's close our eyes. Let's, let's go. So Lord, Lord, we just thank you for your, your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you have never left us You've made a plan to restore the kingdom, and we've always been part of this kingdom, God. And you went even into this community and found us, Lord. And you've knitted our hearts together here in this building, Lord. And, Lord, we haven't always maybe realized it or maybe realized the sacrifice that we've taken. We weren't willing to make that commitment to it, Lord. But, but this morning, um, our hearts have shifted. Lord, we thank you for shifting our hearts because, Lord, this is not something that, you sh that we do easily on our own. We're, we're humans, Lord, you know us well. And Lord, we just ask this morning that, that you shift our hearts and begin something that we will look back on one day and won't even be able to explain, Lord. Such a powerful move of your, of your work in this space, Lord. And so I want to ask now, if there's anyone there that, that kind of feels like, hey man, I've had a heart shift. I've had a heart shift. The, the Lord has shown me something here this morning. Um, won't, you, won't you just stand up and then, and we, and then we, can, we can make some kind of a declaration. Um, if, if, if God has shifted your heart, and 
It's going to be a very subtle shift here. It's not like, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm going out to go evangelize the nations. But if God has spoken to your heart, don't, don't ignore it. Eh? Maybe there's a sense of engagement that you need. Know, you know you need to get more involved. You know you need to extend God's kingdom. Second, the second one is if there's anyone that's never actually heard this message before in this way, and you're like, hey, man, I'm actually not, not in the kingdom. Um, I'm definitely disqualified from this kingdom because I haven't received Jesus. Um, and if you want to be part of that kingdom, you know, the, today's the day. I mean, you, if God's shifted your heart and said something to you now, don't ignore that either, right? Does anyone here that, that's never received Jesus into their life? I've got to ask, just double check. So anyone here, just raise your hand quickly. Okay, we're good. So we're going to just stick to becoming more engaged in the kingdom. So I... I'm at an interesting place here because I still think there's more people that need to engage with the kingdom. And that may just be me thinking that, but I feel it's very hard to stand up and engage with the kingdom, but it's what, it's what you're here for. It's what your purpose is. Um, I'm going to give it one last go. So I make everyone stand up and then everyone is, well, I'm in the crowd, eh? Let's all stand up and let's pray. lift our hands. Lord, we just Lord, we understand the urgency of your coming. Lord, we understand the urgency of your message, Lord, to reach the lost. Lord, Lord we ask that you would soften our hearts for the lost. That you would begin something in our hearts, Lord, that just cries out for the lost in this community, Lord. Lord, we, we thank you for such such an amazing time to be born into, Lord. Such an amazing time that we can be part of this spiritual realm that you've designed, Lord. We just, we just ask now, Lord, that as we as we go out and as the the days progress and you know we we start planning and strategizing in the new year now for this congregation, Lord, that we will we will we will run with with what leaders throw at us, Lord. We will run with what you tell us to do, Lord. That we would. We would become a light in this community, Lord, to that, that no one's ever seen in Azerfontein, Lord. We just ask that you would uh, take this seed, Lord, this incorruptible seed in us now, Lord, and just begin to grow, Lord, like that mustard seed, Lord, like that mustard seed, Lord. We just ask this in Jesus' name. A, a, a timely word and a good word for, for all of us, especially I think as as, as the containers, yeah, we've been going a year. And I think the, the thing is, if we look back in a year and it's still the same the same bunch of guys doing the same bunch of stuff, then we're not then we're not advancing his kingdom and that's that's not what we're here for. We wanna we wanna be church, we wanna build his kingdom and I think that's that's a kingdom that's worth building. So yes, thank you. Thank you for a, a timely word. And yeah, and for, for all of us here, myself included, everybody, um, yeah, I think claim that kingdom. It's your kingdom. That's God's kingdom, and that's that's the important thing to build here. So yeah, on that note, I think yeah, we'll close there. Um, and then please, there's lots of coffee, and I see there's some muffins there. You're gonna have to race me for those. All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, and we'll see you next week. And it comes on Wednesday.